What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. Geek. Geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's going on? We were just here, right? What, like a little over 12 hours ago or so? Hardwood Handicappers, another edition, of course. This is your Thursday podcast. So for those of you who are listening right now via Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, appreciate it as always. And for those who are joining us live, of course, we always appreciate that as well. Like, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, all that fancy stuff. We've got a good episode on tap today, I believe. Uh, we're going to talk about these unders that are coming in pretty hot and heavy in the NBA up to this point. Also going to discuss some hot and cold teams to start the season because it's been a pretty interesting start to the first week of the NBA, right? Last time we got to talk to you, it was, what, uh, two days worth of games and I think a total of 13 contests. So uh, we've had a little bit more of a larger sample size up to this point. So with that, uh, let's talk about this, right? The underwhelming start to the season. Through this point right now, unders, as of last night, 40 and 25 through 65 games. So 40 of the 65 games have gone under the total. And I think this is right partly a short sample size type of issue. If you look at it from the perspective of, well, you know, right, we're talking about uh, thousands of games and only 65. But I think it's worth talking about to a certain extent because, right, we've had changes this year. It's the officiating, these bump fouls are no longer getting called. And, you know, a guy like James Harden, for example, right? James Harden is getting all of the press because Harden's game up to this point has kind of struggled, right? He has not looked really good up to this point. Uh, We're talking about his free throws being at an all-time low. Going into yesterday's contest, we're talking about just 12 total free throws or 13 total free throws for James Harden. 
So I, I think there's a couple of different layers to discuss when it comes to what is happening with these totals, because Harden's going to get all of the pub. But I think it's a little bit more than that in terms of right what we're talking about here. So I'm going to direct you again. I'm trying to do this in terms of uh, some fancy production. So bear with me if you're watching on the live stream. And of course, for those listening on the podcast, we will reference that. But I want to direct you to this right here, which is going to be a graph today uh, on the uh, the edge, which comes up later today at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So for those who are watching, column on the left is last year. Uh, column on the right is this year. For those who are listening on the podcast, we'll explain it to you. Uh, but four statistical categories, right? Uh, these are all averages for every single team. So we're talking about, for example, 2020-2021. Average offensive rating last season, according to Cleaning the Glass, was 112.9. The average free throw rate, which is free throws made every 100 possessions, at 19.2. 21.8 in terms of free throw attempts per game, on average, for a team. And the pace was about 99, you know, just under 100 possessions per game. Now, I would say initially, I just wanted to include this to have like a barometer of where we're at as a team. So I think it's a little more interesting when you look at these fast-paced games, right, and where we've been uh, lately. Uh, the pace is going to even out, right? Pace is a lot quicker, clearly, as you can see in the bottom column uh, on the right. So that's going to be something that I think is going to, of course, come back down to the pack. But look at the differences right now at this point in terms of average, uh, average offensive rating from last season to the start of this season. 112.9, the average offensive rating of non-garbage time minutes for the entire season last year. This year, we're down to 107.4. If you're talking about a free throw rate, teams this year are making 2.2 fewer free throws every 100 possessions than they were a year ago. And how about the free throw attempts? Down essentially two free throw attempts per game from 21.8 to 19.8. So these are some really surface level right numbers. And you know what do they all mean to a certain extent? Well, again, we're getting less foul calls. For those who have been watching, right, and Harden, again, is the poster child, so it's a really good example. You know, he's not getting the contact, but it's the same for teams like the Atlanta Hawks. It's the same for all of these teams, right? It's not just the key guys. It's not just Trey Young. It's not just James Harden. It's every single one of these teams that is getting stuck in some of these lower tier, these lower scoring games. And it proves it, right? Again, through 60 games, we're talking about 40 and 25 to the under. But I wanted to take this a little bit further, right, in terms of the analysis. So uh, let's take a look uh, about, it's like about a couple of other things. First off, let's look at teams in terms of the top free throw attempts, or should be a, yeah, free throw attempts per game from a season to go. So I'm going to switch the graph here so we can take a look at what we're looking at here because it's pretty, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense when you look at it from that perspective, right? So here we have the top five teams in terms of free throw attempts uh, per game. Right. So last year, top five teams in terms of free throw attempts last season were Washington, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Atlanta and Detroit. Washington led the way. Twenty six point two free throw attempts per game. New Orleans is at twenty six point one. Philadelphia, twenty five point five. Atlanta, twenty four point two. Twenty three point four for Detroit. Look at the right column. I have last in this labeled last year, this year or last season, this season. If you look at the right column. You'll notice that this season, Washington keeping pace with last year. They're drawing free throws, 23.5. Washington's team also that kind of forces the issue a little bit more in terms of attacking the rim. 23.5 free throw attempts per game, tied for second most in the NBA. But how about the rest of these teams that were getting to the free throw line regularly a season ago? New Orleans has gone from 26.1 to 16 free throw attempts per game, 26 in the NBA. And I think a big chunk of that is Zion Williamson not playing. Nine Williamson was a guy who really attacked the paint, who got inside the middle. Uh, he was a driving force in terms of them drawing free throws because so much of their offense was oriented at attacking within four feet of the basket. So I think that explains it to a certain extent. It also explains, right, again, with the officiating and non-bump fouls being called, why they've dropped off so significantly. Philadelphia. 
going from 25 and a half free throw attempts per game last year to 17 this year, 25th in the NBA. Atlanta, 24.2 to 15 and a half, 27th, and Detroit from 23.5 to 15.3. And you'll notice in the last column, the trend here being that, look at all these teams to the under. The Washington Wizards, 1-3 to the under at this point right now. New Orleans, 1-4 to the under through five games. Philadelphia, 1-3 to the under through four games. Atlanta, 1-3 to the under through four games. And Detroit, who's only played three to this point, 1-2 to the under. They play again later today. So this is in terms of free throw attempts, right? So there's one more thing to look at in terms of these teams and the free throws and what this all means. Because we're going to get to, like, what it means, how you attack it, all that kind of stuff. Because you don't want to just go in blindly, right? and just start firing away on these teams that were top free throw teams in the NBA. But I think to a certain extent, there is something here, which is, you know, not only are these games being called a little bit differently, but these teams who last season were very dependent on part of their offense at getting to the free throw line, it has not been the case. And there is no better indication of that, because we're going to go from this to free throws made every 100 possessions or free throw rate, because this is a pretty good example. And now, these teams are going to stay largely the same when you look at them, but there's one key difference that I think is going to stick out and that a lot of people, of course, uh, talked about up to this point, and that would be, we're talking about free throw rate, the bottom team right now at this point in terms of what we're looking at. Brooklyn was the fifth best team in terms of free throw rate last year. Free throws made per 100 possessions at 21. You can see the stark difference. They're down to 16.2 this year, 18th, but look at the totals for Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a perfect 5-0 to the under, 0-5, however you want to spread, spread it, because they are a team that really relied on free throws, and they now have the poster child for all of this, right, which is James Harden. Uh, Nate Duncan, who does great work covering the NBA, if you go over to his Twitter feed, he had a great breakdown yesterday, uh, video clips of just the fouls that Harden's not getting anymore. Uh, Harden to a certain, you know, it's Harden as well that needs to work through this, right? Like, it's clearly not going to get called for you, so you can do one of two things. Right, you can press the issue and try to get these fouls called for you, which clearly isn't happening, or you can adjust. Now, I personally believe that Harden, right, can adjust to this. I think his game is pretty good. Anybody who has listened to my content or knows me knows how much I like James Harden as a player. So there is still some brilliance in there, right? Still had seven assists last night. Still can shoot the ball on those step back threes. Do all that. Actually, drew a free throw on a step back three last night against the Miami Heat. So there's going to be adjustments made here, and there's going to be adjustments made by odds makers. You know, if you read uh, the Points Per Weekly piece this week, you'll note that in that piece, we talked about totals being just about a point lower than the average total from last season. And I think that's going to continue to be the case as we move forward with the unders coming in at such a high clip. So it seems to be through the early portion of this year that unders are coming in partly because of the way these games are getting played. And I also think, by the way, it's not just the free throws not getting hit anymore, or the free throws, of course, not being available. I think it's a little bit more than that, right? Because if you watched, for example, last night's game uh, between the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets, and they went under the total, it's partly also just shaking up the way that these games are being played. Guys like Harden are turning the ball over because they're actually looking for fouls as opposed to, right, just playing through contact. It's disjointing the way that some of these games are played. It's a little bit more physical in terms of the way that it's being played. And so these, you know, the efficiency is down overall, as we talked about in that first graph. So I think it's pretty fascinating what we have seen through the early part of this year that these unders are coming in and they're coming in strong. Last night, again, seven and three to the under over the 10 games. And again, as we talked about 40 and 25, through 65 games. So with that, right, how do you handicap this moving forward? Because it's not just blindly betting these teams, uh, but it's monitoring some of these totals, right, to see if there has been an adjustment to what we're talking about here for some of these clubs, right? So let's let's take a look at, uh, for example, uh, if I could pull this up, 
at Brooklyn, right? Because Brooklyn is a perfect 5-0 and to the under at this point right now through the season. And when you're looking at some of the totals that they've been playing through, check, like, look at this, right? 233.5 was the total. And actually, you know what? This is going to be better for those who are uh, more visually inclined. So let's share with you here what I'm looking at so all of you guys can do it. And again, podcast folks, if you're watching, oh, I will get that for you in terms of uh, laying it out there. StatFox, great site, right? You can go through, gives you gives you all of the different looks. It gives you uh, statistical trends, ATS, all that stuff. But let's look at the totals right now for Brooklyn that we've played through up to this point. 233 and a half, 226, 233 and a half, 229. Yesterday, finally, was the lowest total on the board, 217 and a half, but that's also because they're playing Miami, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, that's going to slow them down. But all of these games have gone under the total, and these are some high Falutin totals, right? And think about it. I mean, look at this one too, for example. You get a matchup with Washington, right? The other team that we're talking about that really benefited from three throws last year, and this one went way up. 104 to 90, 229 and a half was a total there. So if we're going to continuously see, I think, some of these totals, especially on teams like Brooklyn, right, regularly posted in these 230-ish ranges, it's going to be, I think, some value to potentially start looking at these games under the total. You're already perfect to the under, but I'd also assume that these adjustments, of course, are going to be made by odds makers. But it's definitely something worth looking at as you move forward, of course, for this season. So I, I think it's pretty interesting. Like, I don't think this is going to be sustainable. These will even out at some point. But it's been a very big edge for unders early on. And uh, it's been quite it's, it's contrast with uh, what we know from the NBA season up to this point, right? Or just the NBA, I should put it that way. When it comes to you know high scoring affairs, nobody plays defense, nobody cares. Well, right now, all those people should probably be pretty happy because you're getting some low scoring contests up to this point. So we'll keep track of that as we move forward. I think it's a pretty fascinating angle, especially when you get this actual tangible change by the NFL or excuse me by the NBA in terms of the officiating and the way that they are handling it. Also, by the way, and I got to do a deeper dive on this. Would assume uh, that also affects some of these point totals and player props for a lot of these guys, especially the free throw dependent guys. Uh, Trey Young, James Harden, so-and-so. So we'll dive into that and we'll get some numbers for you in the next few days. So after that, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, too, on Hardwood Handicappers. Next week, we're going to have a guest. Uh, but this week, you know, flying solo. That I had got a, lot to, uh, got a few things to take care of before the edge today. And also, I just want to get this information out there. These are only once a week. Uh, these are only evergreen to a certain extent. So this is more about conversating with you guys, getting the information out there and whatnot. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So with that, uh, let's talk about some different topics, some different teams for the most part, some of these hot and cold teams to start the year. So first off, hot Chicago Bulls, obviously, right? 4-0 against the spread, undefeated up to this point. Uh, the darling Chicago Bulls, I know a lot of people had some really high aspirations for coming up this year. And so far, it has checked out to a certain extent. However, right, we're about to learn a lot about the Chicago Bulls over the next two to three weeks. Now, they are dealt a little bit of a blow. Um, Zach Levine, for those who don't know, dealing with a thumb issue in his offhand. Uh, he is injured. They're calling it like a sprain. I think it's like technically like a small tear, but that's, I guess, a sprain to a certain extent. So don't know if he's going to be playing tonight against the New York Knicks. Market has responded and such. Bulls open two and a half or down to one and a half with the question marks around Zach Levine playing up to this point. But let's take a look at Chicago and what they've done, right? From, a, from, a, from an opponent standpoint, it's hard to write home about what Chicago's done, right? We're talking about Toronto, Detroit, New Orleans, and Detroit once again. So they played Detroit twice, New Orleans, and the Toronto Raptors. And for me, it's it's more about question. You don't want to question the Bulls, right? Because I still think they're a playoff team. And don't take this as you're a hater or anything like that. But it's when you look at them from the defensive standpoint to me, where I think we're playing with a little bit of fool's gold here, right? Because Chicago wrote about this in the NBA guide. I think if you just looked at their personnel, you realize it. That, like, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I didn't think they were going to be very good. And yet, their four games, they've given up 89.7 to the Pistons, 106.5 to the Pelicans, 80.4. These are defensive ratings uh, to the Pistons. And then they play Toronto. And the game, essentially, they went at the gun. Uh, they won by three, and there was fouls at the end. They did not foul up three. Uh, I don't know why teams do this. They let the they let the Raptors get a shot up at the end of that game. I, I will never understand that. But regardless, uh, that game against Toronto... And I don't think it's a coincidence. It was the best opponent by far. Uh, a defensive rating of 112.5 for the Chicago Bulls. So you finally started to see that defense take a little bit of a turn. You're going to start to see this more and more in terms of what this defense actually has. Because I think from an offensive standpoint, right, when you're talking about offensive ratings like 130 in that game against the Pelicans, 114.6 against a good Toronto Raptors team, those are things that are genuinely going to happen and, and I think are going to be the strength of this team. But I think this defense is going to get tested to a really big extent. 
you know, again, and we're going to tie this into our other hot team, which is the New York Knicks, uh, who have been absolutely great through the first part of the season, three and one ATS through four games. The Knicks have really steered into the mathematics of playing offense, which is three point shots. I would rather be inefficient in terms of three point shooting than I would in terms of just taking these two pointers and it has worked dividends for them. Now it leads to some high volatility, right? It leads to you blowing out the Philadelphia 76ers, but then also losing to the Orlando Magic because you have a poor shooting night, but this is the way to do it, right? You find these mathematical edges and this is what's gonna happen. Through this point right now, the New York Knicks are making about two and a half more uh, three pointers per game than the second best team in the NBA, right? So now we're talking about a little over a seven point advantage there just on a game to game basis. And that's over the second best team in the NBA. now. These averages are going to again come back to normal. It's a four-game sample size. But in terms of the Knicks taking over 40% of their attempts from three-point range, I think that's going to be part of their DNA now moving forward. I do think that gives a – I think that makes it a little tough, right, in terms of handicapping them on a night-to-night basis because there's going to be nights like against the Orlando Magic where they don't hit. And, of course, they're going to potentially lose those games. They're going to be pretty big favorites in those games as well. But I think the game plan is real, and I like the game plan. Right, I like numbers, I like the math, I like the edges that three-point shooting gives you, and we've seen these teams now steer a little bit more in these directions. The Utah Jazz were a really good example of it last year, taking over 40% of their attempts from beyond the arc. The one thing that has bothered me with New York, and this persists from last season, so I'll give you these numbers, and I wonder if this is schematic, I wonder if this is just something that we're just going to have to deal with the New York Knicks until we get to the postseason. This season, actually I'll take you back to last season for the New York Knicks. Last season, for the New York Knicks defensively, 20.4% of opponent three-point attempts were considered wide open, right? Six feet or more from beyond the arc. Those opponents, though, shot 34.7% on those attempts. That was the second best mark in the NBA. So you're giving up the fifth most wide open looks from three, yet you have the second best shooting percentage defensively on those looks, two things that aren't really sustainable. But then you look at the season. Opponents, 23.8% of their attempts are considered wide open, right? That is the second highest rate of the league so far through this early part of the year. But opponents are shooting 35.2% on those attempts, the 10th best figure on that mark in this year. So again, the Knicks are doing this thing where they're allowing three-point shooters to get wide open, but those three-point shooters are not hitting those shots. Now, there's something to be said of sagging off of the worst shooters on the opposing roster, right? Allowing yourself to protect the paint a little bit more, and thus the three-point shooting is gonna be a little bit poorer right because i know wide open looks because you're allowing the right guys to be open i know that's been part of the conversation for the knicks but i will say that in certain matchups it's going to be pretty interesting how that fares out case in point tonight right tonight's a really good example of how that theory is going to work because the chicago bulls up to this early part of the season are the best three-point shooting team in the league they're shooting over 40 percent from three so when you take on a team that could put five shooters potentially out on the floor at once how does this game plan work and i think we saw the way it could work in the wrong way in that playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks, in which the Hawks took advantage of those wide-open looks. They shot over 40% on wide-open threes in their series against the New York Knicks, and they ended up winning in five games. So it, it, these, all of these things that we're talking about with New York, this is not to denigrate them, because actually I think I'm going to end up being wrong on New York. You know, I thought they were perfectly fine. Like, I, I have them under in terms of the win total, have them under in the Westgate Super Contest, the Westgate Contest win total contest as well. And there's a chance where I could end up being wrong because they're doing the right things offensively and defensively. What they're doing is just working. So I, I think potentially I'm going to be wrong here, but it's a really good start for New York. And I cannot blame anybody for wanting to, you know, consistently ride this train. This is the best ATS team last year, and they're off to a really good start at 3 1. 
Next up, hot Charlotte Hornets. Hornets have been awesome. Absolutely fantastic through the early part of the year. Right now, 4-1 and one, uh, ATS. If you look at some of their numbers from a team standpoint, both offensively and defensively, uh, it is hard not to be impressed with this Charlotte Hornets team from an offensive standpoint. As a team, up to this point right now, per cleaning the glass, uh, in terms of offensive efficiency, the best offensive team in the NBA right now, 116.44 points, every 100 possessions and non-garbage time minutes. By the way, that's what changes, right? Because I know some of you uh, will look at like NBA stats and see that offensive efficiency. Uh, the leader is actually the Memphis Grizzlies. That doesn't take out the non-garbage, that doesn't take out the garbage time minutes, right? Some of these games that are uh, blowouts, whatever it is, uh, cleaning the glass just does it essentially when these games are competitive. And I think it's a really good way to look at these teams. So right now, Charlotte, in terms of offensive efficiency, First in the NBA, according to Clean the Glass, at 116.4. Uh, let's see. So as we go from here, what you're looking at with Charlotte to me, and I wrote about this the other day, which is the defense, I think, is going to be a problem for them. And it's going to regress in terms of the offense to a certain extent. And you're going to get into some of these situations where you're going to run into some quality offensive teams, and it's not going to look great. Case in point the other day, where they take on the Boston Celtics, right? If you're looking at what the Celtics did, Offensive rating in that contest against the Celtics, 121.9 for Boston. They shot the ball extremely well. With, uh, with, uh, it's 19-49 on those three-point shots. They went 19-26 within four feet of the basket. So while Charlotte has been off to a really good start and they've been covering numbers, you know, you could argue about their schedule to this point, if you like. Really big win, though, over the Brooklyn Nets, so they get credit for that one. But I think you're going to start to see this come back down to the pack. If anything, out of all of these hot teams, I think Charlotte's definitely on their way back because at least the one thing that I felt consistent and confident in with Charlotte into this season was that they were going to be bad defensively. And they have shown that up to this point. They have not been good defensively through these first few games. Their offense has just carried through some of them some of these contests, right? One point win over the Indiana Pacers where they give up a defensive rating of 115.1, right? Actually, the Magic had an offensive rating last night of 111, and they got off to that slow start because they weren't shooting well, uh, the Charlotte Hornets, although they ended up winning 120 to 111. So... I think out of all of the three hot teams that we're talking about here, if there's one candidate for some regression as you move forward, uh, at least quickly or more quickly, faster, uh, it would be the Charlotte Hornets. And if you look at who they're playing to, uh, Miami, Portland, Cleveland, and then Golden State, Sacramento, and two, uh, two matchups against the LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers. So over the next week or so, we're going to start to see if this theory is true about the Charlotte Hornets because their schedule uh, is really beefed up. So we've got three hot teams that we've discussed here up to this point. Let's go to three cold teams really quickly and um, talk about this, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, not a great loss for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. It's, it's losing, one thing is uh, losing to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, it's another thing to blow the lead that they had and ultimately lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So um, the Lakers got some issues, as we kind of know at this point right now. Now, I will say this, this isn't a sound the alarm, everything's over, the Lakers are going to be terrible. This is not the case, but this is a team that is one and four against the spread through the first five games, but being priced like they're the Los Angeles Lakers who are on their way to win a title. This still could be a team that is going to compete for the Western Conference crown. Let me be perfectly clear about that. But that does not mean that they don't have issues in the early part of the year, right? Whether it's when LeBron's out there with Russell Westbrook and AD and their offensive rating not really looking very good, or whether it's the fact that, again, I cannot stress this enough, they sacrificed the defensive talent they had to get the pieces around them, and it ultimately leads to a defense that has kind of struggled through the early part of the year, right? So we go to last night uh, where the Los Angeles Lakers uh, end up losing that game to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Russ Westbrook gets all pissed at the end of that game, 123 to 115. The Thunder put up an offensive rating of 117.5. 
This is a Thunder team, by the way. You know, going into yesterday, their best individual game offensive rating was 108.4 against the Philadelphia 76ers. The three other games, they had scored a point per possession or worse. They were not great from an offensive standpoint. So all of a sudden, you come into this game, and you're giving up things left and right to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had a great start in the first quarter the other night against the Golden State Warriors, but it fell off from there, and they ultimately ended up averaging just a point per possession. So this is going to be, I think, a problem here for the Lakers. Their offense needs to get better. Like, it just flat out, it just needs to get better. Because if this is going to be the case for them moving forward, then this is going to be a problem, man. You see this from Tony's picks. I appreciate the comment. Dude. Yeah, L.A. was like an old horse turning for home with nothing left in the second half. You know, and that's part of it, too, right? Like, it's a really good point. The Thunder are a really young team. They're, they're spry and they're vibrant. And while they might not be really good at this point right now, you know, it's kind of like with the Charlotte Hornets, where it's just a bunch of these young dudes who are trying really bleeping hard, and it's game four of 82, right? So you have these some of these you know, veterans on this Lakers team who are just like, bro, like, what are we doing? Right? That's more anecdotal than anything else, but I think sometimes you see that play out in this early portion of the year too, right? This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids' podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
But I think just from what we talked about for the Lakers, this is the thing that was worrying me about Los Angeles as we came into this year. It was that they sacrificed the defensive talent to be a better offensive team. And they needed to do that when they brought in Russell Westbrook. However, we're talking about now a defensive rating of 111.5 through these first four games. Their half-court defense, one of the worst in the NBA, defensive rating right now of 101.3, which is second to last according to Cleaning the Glass. That's going to be an issue for them as we move forward. And I think that's going to be the problem. As you look at the Los Angeles Lakers and what they have done up to this point, the defense has to get better because, or excuse me, the offense has to get better because while the defense I don't think is going to be this bad as we move forward, like we're talking about like second worst half court defense in the NBA, I don't know if it's going to be much higher, like higher than 15th in the NBA. And so that's why this offense working to a certain extent is going to be extremely important. And I think that explains what we have seen up to this point with the Los Angeles Lakers. So from that cold team to another cold team that is struggling in the Western Conference and defensively, the Phoenix Suns. This is pretty surprising to, a, to an extent with how bad it has gotten, right? So last night, the Kings get the outright win at the gun against the Phoenix Suns. To give the Suns credit, right, they, they'd come back, they'd made it a game, actually led for most of the first half. They went into halftime up eight. Third quarter went terribly for them. Kings pull out a double-digit lead at one point multiple times, and then game comes back to where they actually tie it right near the end of the game, and the Kings get a buzzer beater uh, at the end of that contest. I believe it was Harrison Barnes who ultimately hit the game winner for them yesterday. But regardless... The Suns have their own issues, and their issues stem from the defensive side of the floor, right? So let's look at them, because I, I think there's a little bit, there, there might be a little bit more to Phoenix than just the metrics, and I'll talk about that in a moment. So let's start with the thing that I think we know is going to be true for the Phoenix Suns. Last year, they were the worst transition defense in the NBA. And if you go back to last night and what the Kings were able to do, especially off of turnovers, the Kings found a lot of success in getting out and running, especially in transition. Offensive rating for the Kings last night in transition, according to Cleaning the Glass, was 164.3. It's really good. They had it 9.1 points per 100 possessions to their offensive rating through transition. Uh, they did a lot of damage off of steals. The Suns turned the ball over a lot. Kings averaged two points per play in transition off of steals last night. But why this matters is the Suns were the worst transition defense in the NBA last year. And again, this year, at this point right now, we're talking about being in the range of 26th, the Phoenix Suns, in transition defense. So that is, for me, it's a worrisome thing because that's a weakness that was there last year that is continuing to persist into this season. And so that's going to be a problem for them against teams like the Sacramento Kings, who came into last night fourth in terms of pace, ninth in terms of offensive efficiency and transition. They're going to have some issues with teams that want to get up and down the floor. At this point right now, their defensive rating in transition, 147.3. But here's the other thing, and this is what I think starts to worry you if you're uh, the Phoenix Suns, right? It's that the perimeter defense has not been very good. At this point right now, they have the worst defensive, uh, defensive uh, rating. I shouldn't even say defensive rating. Uh, they're giving up 43.2% to shooters right now uh, from beyond the arc. That's dead last in the NBA. That's the worst. Now, I think that gets better. You've played some good shooting teams up to this point. The Kings are a solid shooting team. They're going to take a lot of shooting, a lot of threes. But that's kind of a problem, man. Like that's To be bad along the perimeter... Right in a league that is thriving from the perimeter, case in point, the Knicks we just talked about, that's going to be an issue. And then as you move forward too, when we're talking about the Suns still having the issues they did defensively in transition in a game that is constantly being played in transition, right, more back and forth than ever before, that's going to be a problem. And to add to that, the Suns are one and three against the spread because they're still getting priced like a Western Conference champ. Case in point last night, where they're laying eight against the Sacramento Kings and they lose the game outright. And the last point on the Phoenix Suns, 
because this last team that I'm gonna uh, won't spend that much time on because they're just not a good team, but I think it's pretty interesting. Um, is and I, and if you follow the work, if you if you watch the edge, if you listen to me, whatever, you know that I'm kind of like anti. I don't even know what the word like anti anecdotal evidence to a certain extent, right? Like I like data, I like numbers, I like to see something tangible in terms of a handicap. Um, but there's this noise around Aiton and the contract and all of those things. So you have that hovering around this team. Uh, it didn't hurt or it didn't help. The campaign wasn't available last night for their bench unit too, which really kind of suffered a little bit when they went to that bench when uh, Dev Booker and Chris Paul were off the, off the floor. So there's just a lot of stuff surrounding the Suns. But I think at this point right now, until you see this defense start to improve or the market starts to adjust in terms of some of the numbers that they're laying here in some of these contests, right? You know, if you go back to um, the Nuggets game, for example, in which they played Denver, when they opened the season up, uh, they were what? I'm going to check this number right here. Six-point favorites over the Denver Nuggets, right, at home. And they ended up losing that game outright. Portland, uh, on the road, just catching two and a half. And, of course, we know Portland, perimeter-oriented defense. What do the Trailblazers do? They bomb away from three, and they have a really good night against the Phoenix Suns. So those are the cold teams. I wanted. I was going to bring up the Pistons. The Pistons are, are ice cold as well. 0-3 um, against the spread. Uh, shout out Patrick Maher and Sadiq Bay because you know me. I love Sadiq Bay. Kid's freaking awesome. Uh, leading scorer for the Detroit Pistons, right? Or is he second leading scorer? Ah, whatever. He's up there. Um, this is the one thing I did want to bring up though with the Pistons. Just one thing, really quickly, and I'll be done because they're a bad team. So last year when they went to like tank mode, as we call it, and they went to like the youth lineup and they were you know performing at a relatively decent rate. They had a 16 game stretch where they went six and ten against the spread and straight up. They were a really good defensive team. And actually, it's kind of playing out at this point right now, too. They're only giving up 105.9 points per 100 possessions. For a team with a win total under 30, that's really good. The problem is their offense is absolute dreck. And Kate Cunningham hasn't played yet. I think the target take for him to come back is the 30th. So I haven't punted on the Knicks being my, like, you know, sneaky good-bad team. Uh, but need Kate Cunningham out there. Also need Jeremy Grant out there. It looks like he's not going to be playing tonight, so keep an eye on the injury report there. Uh, so with that, what, we have 30 minutes in today. We'll be all done for right now. For those who watch the podcast, uh, always appreciate you tuning in. We've been growing a little bit as we've gone on with this podcast, started streaming it live. I hope you guys enjoy it too. You know, you can drop a comment, tell me how terrible it is, how great it is, whatever it is in between. Uh, but I like this interaction, you know, like the, like talking to you guys. I think sometimes you do a podcast and you're just recording into the medium of nothing. Uh, it loses a little personality, but knowing I'm talking to at least 10 of you right now, according to my screen, uh, I think it's it, it helps out a lot, right? So... Anyway, uh, if you're just tuning in and you missed out any part of this podcast, it's always going to be archived up on the Twitter page. So you can watch it there. Or if you don't like looking at my face, this will, of course, be podcasted in the Hardwood Handicappers podcast feed, which I would implore you, please, to like, rate, review, and subscribe. So I would appreciate that very much. Uh, Billy, good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Are you Billy like my boss, Bill80, on another account? Or are you? No, just play. Uh, so I appreciate that very much. Again, Hardwood Handicappers, the podcast. And make sure you tune into The Edge later today. Uh, we're going to go over some more of these numbers. I'm going to throw these unders at you and see what he thinks early on. And, of course, it's Thursday, which means it's Thursday night football. So I have a lot on the NFL, too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good luck. And we will talk again uh, on Friday for the live stream before the games tip off at about 4 p.m. Pacific time. See ya. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.